0: Feel like i don't know what i'm doing with this i'm racking up all these dollars in student debt student loans like man what am i doing fingers are bleeding mm. on six different lupus medications goes six months into care she shows me these before and after photos six months in the care her hands are healed and she's off on medication
1: welcome to gut check radio the health and wellness podcast giving you the confidence to trust in your gut i'm your host Dr. Nick Belden, a board-certified chiropractic physician and functional medicine practitioner. And just for those of you who are aware, the contents of this podcast are for educational purposes only and are not intended to diagnose or treat any condition and do not apply any of this information you hear in this podcast without first speaking with your physician. My oh my, was this ever a therapy session for me? (laughs) You know, on this podcast, I've I've had such the pleasure and the fortune of interviewing such great people and learning so many things from so many of these people. But this episode hit different. I had the opportunity to interview one of my friends from graduate school, fellow Cairo in the field, Dr. Sam Wetherell. And why this was so special, selfishly for me was because I felt like I was interviewing myself. Sam is someone who has such similar habits, routines, mindsets. We've read so many of the same books. We have so much in common. And we're the same Enneagram type five. So for those of you familiar with Enneagram, you can already guess what this conversation, what the two of us together sort of looked like. (laughs) And it was really such a a beautiful opportunity for me to peel back the layers of myself and have Sam be that vector through which I could do that. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful for him taking the time to be able to do that. And we talk about a lot of things. He was we were in the same class in graduate school and I always envied his work ethic and discipline. And I always took pride in my own, but anytime I would see him or hear about the things he did, I was always, like I said, I almost wanted to have what he had. And we unpack a lot in this podcast about what it is that led him to want to take on such this mindset of discipline and work ethic. And then he even, you know, we really, we peel back his own layers and his own onion and that he maybe wishes he did in a different way, which is always, It's always so interesting to hear people that you look up to as being so disciplined and so much integrity in the way they do things. And then you hear them and they're going, Oh yeah. And in hindsight, I I wish I had done it differently. or I wish I had known this before I did that. And so this is really a great conversation to explore what it's like to have amazing discipline, but then also to explore, maybe sometimes the, the pitfalls of having too much, And what i love most about sam is he's just open-minded the fact that he has changed his perspective on we talked about in this podcast how his perspective has changed from more of the evidence-based cairo side to more of the philosophical side for those of you unfamiliar with that we get into that in the episode of what the differences in that mean and why it's important if you're a student listening to this you'll find this really beneficial if you're someone who just loves self-discovery and growth mindset and personal development you're going to love this episode. We really unpack a lot of what Sam has experienced and all led him to just a very very powerful, very positive man that I, you know, I even still to this day look up to and like I said I'm so fortunate to have had this conversation with him. And of course, you'll hear some dad jokes because that's also the personality coming from the two of us. But anyways, if you want to find Sam, you can find him on Instagram at Elevate the Standard and he's also currently a chiropractor out of Premier Family Chiropractic in the Upper North Indianapolis, Indiana area. And we'll put that information in the show notes. And without further ado, here comes my podcast with Dr. Sam. You wanted that transition to happen at that time? Or were you expecting it to happen at X date in the future?
0: So going through school, that's a great question. So going through school, I attached more to evidence-based thought because it's like, Okay. It's the evidence. It's what you're presenting. And no one was really giving a good presentation of principle. I mean, you took the same principle classes I did. Like, okay. Anyway, but going through, you know, evidence-based learning from doctors, all that stuff at the bottom line, I'm still sitting there thinking to myself, like, how is this going to radically change somebody in their lifestyle of what they're doing? So it's not just like, hey, you're coming in here, you're in pain, I get it, I'm going to pop some things and maybe rub your muscles down and then you're going to go back out and you're going to do the same exact thing you've been doing over and over and over again. And I know we go, like well, we got a student clinic, or we'd be taught scenarios like, oh, this person has uh, irritable bowel, or this person has heart related issues. Well, what can you do for them? Oh, you can do stuff for without pain. But that's not... That, like to me it's like you're the encounter with me doesn't really need to happen they just need to go to like a heart specialist mm-hmm. so it, it, in reality I don't feel like I have value in what I'm doing I'm just I'm just a glorified rub your back down try to make you feel better mm-hmm. but the things I've seen in principle at this office have again totally blown my mind away mm-hmm. um, on my first first day at this office I was introduced to a lady probably about 45 years old came in super skeptical of the whole process like and our office is like really nice like we if you're ever de- up here you got to come see it i'm just gonna say that but she comes in she's like looking around like oh yeah this is really all gonna help me so not, not i'm not gonna do anything she had lupus for years fingers are bleeding hmm. on six different lupus medications goes six months into care She shows me these before and after photos, six months in the care, her hands are healed and she's off on medication. Mm. Now we could sit here and deliberately think, well, what compounding factors went into this? Did she change nutrition? Did she move more? Is it the adjustment? Whatever have you. But at the end of the day, this person's hands healed and she's not taking any more harmful, putting more harmful substances to her body. To me, that's life-changing. That's radical life change that a person no longer ever has to experience ever again.
1: Right. What do you think, when she came in with that much doubt, why do you think she came in? Came in at all? Yeah.
0: Because her... um, So I'll answer that question. So her husband was already under care Mm. and already knew like what we were about. And so it was kind of one of those things like, all right, I'll come in just to shut them up, which those encounters are pretty funny to <laughs> walk people through. Yeah, um, And then give them a few weeks and they realize, oh, wait, there actually is something to this. And we're like, yeah, it's not crazy. Yeah. Um, what was your question again? Sorry, I got wasted. Oh, and it's just excited.
1: what caused her to come in if she had so much doubt. And probably imagine her husband was sort of kicking at the door a little bit to get her in.
0: Yeah, and then some, to answer that kind of a little more broad, sense, some people, it's just they don't know what else to do mm. anymore. They're kind of like, gosh, I've had these weird sinus issues for 10 years, have no idea what to do with it, or they'll talk about when they've done, like, all these medications and everything for it, and they just deal with it. And I, And It's like, people just normalize everything. Oh, it's normal that I have a migraine every week. It's normal that, like, I can't go to the bathroom once a day and have like a regular bowel movement. It's just, we've gotten to this normalizing culture where, yeah, I'm okay to feel this way when in reality it's, no, you shouldn't feel that way. Yeah.
1: Have you always, yourself personally, did you ever go through a transition where you thought those things were normal and then you one day you had your wake up and thought, oh yeah, no, not normal to poop once a week?
0: I mean, yeah. Yeah. Gain better knowledge of, what anatomy and physiology and just understanding what the body is i mean don't get me wrong when you're an undergraduate when you're a high school kid you're just filling your body up with garbage (laughs) mountain dew and pizza Hut or whatever and you're like sitting on the toilet trying to and you're like focusing like it's a calculus test trying to push something out (laughs) and realize like yeah you know that's not that should not it should not feel like a roll of quarters coming out of your body.
1: Yeah. Or like I got a big algebra test. Let me slam like six pancakes beforehand. I need brain fuel. Like it's I don't funny. know. If that's right.
0: Uh, in one of my health classes undergrad, our health teacher, like really just straightforward guy. He was young. He's like, When you go to the bathroom, you should not feel like you have to like manually force it out. You should sit there, relax, and it should just fall out of you. And I sat there looking at him like, Really? Like really. And then, uh so it's funny when not to get. Oh, your audience probably is aware of this. But oh when you yeah. Go to have a, a bow movement. It's kind of nice when those moments happen. And it's like, yeah, it did just come out. And then when they don't happen, it's like, all right, what am I doing wrong?
1: Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I noticed the other day that most toilets and bathrooms have the the stool or no pun intended the bar handle next to it. And for yeah. the longest time, I thought, why is that there? And I'll be honest. One day, I you know as much as i focus on my own gi sometimes i get constipation and one day i used it i'm like oh my gosh that's why this thing is
0: there did people... you you power squeeze it yeah that's why i'm like
1: that's why it's there i never knew oh what people gosh.
0: had it there oh man that's a that's a larry the cable guy joke right there that's taking it back to like 2003
1: is it really oh is it the blue said, comedy tour i still to love yeah, that. He's, yeah he has
0: like a d- dumb joke where it's like yeah i think the. Uh, the bigger stalls are for handicap people. No, it's for you to grab onto all the bars <laughs> so you can. He calls it power squeezing.
1: So. Power squeezing. Yeah. Oh man, uh, as as fun as that would be to continue down that rabbit hole, I want to go back to this woman who had such bad lupus, and six months later she was seemingly hands are that much better. When she first came in, did you have doubts that you guys were going to be able to do anything for her?
0: So I wasn't there for her. Oh, okay. I was okay. not there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, for her initial uh, consultation, but we stick how our office operates is it's strictly principle. It's hey, your body is stressed. You're not maintaining the set alignment. But as we work through adjusting your body, helping you to adapt into a favorable posture for neurologic health, your body will heal over time. And so it's getting people to realize that what we're doing is not to treat you like i'm not trying to find a specific outcome like right here now because here's the thing your body has whether it's lupus or migraines or something you've been stressed repetitively for whether it's decades or years or whatnot so it's going to take time to neurologically adapt your body now for someone in school that's going to sound very very big mm-hmm. but i will tell you if there's any students listening to this wait till you're out in the world real world and see real people.
1: And to paint the kind of the backdrop for the listeners who aren't familiar in in chiropractic, there's this real dichotomy between and Sam used these words earlier, you have this quote, unquote, evidence based crowd who, if it's not if there's not a randomized double blind placebo controlled trial showing XYZ adjustment works, why do it? And then you have this other crowd who says, we don't care at all what the science says, I've seen this data so many times and my philosophy has guided me that that's what I'm going after so you really we had in school such this some teachers would be more swung the other way which honestly I like because then it forces you to come up with your own opinion mm-hmm. but for someone such as yourself to really I mean that's a big deal to go from this more evidence-based mindset to the more so like in aligned properly you're fine that transition I mean did you start to read as much as you could again about the philosophy side or did you just sort of accept it for what it was
0: I mean like I accepted for what it was mm-hmm. I actually I went through and read some philosophy books um but the premise of the body is is simple like it will heal itself mm-hmm. like you're an, you're an organism you're always adapting to everything that's around you whether you are sensitizing to it not sensitizing to it. Um, why the heck can people lift 405 pounds? It's because they train their body to lift 405 pounds. Why are some people more predisposed to maybe eating dairy because they've sensitized to it or some form of capacity? Mm-hmm. It's giving people to realize like your body's not a rock. You're not just solid state matter that doesn't change. Like your body will change over time. You have to give it. You just have to put it in the position to do so. It's like mm. with everything, right? Consistency.
1: Yeah. Have you experienced that personally?
0: yeah yeah i have so Mm. one thing i was so i get adjusted much more frequently now like much Mm. more frequently um probably like three to two times a week uh before it was like none Mm. Um, and like going through (laughs) crossfit like i had a really bad back pain spout like in fall 2021 and like couldn't do CrossFit, couldn't do anything. Like working was really tough. But I mean, the last had not had any issues in the last year or so. Mm.
1: The power of that personal experience. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But at the same time, I'll look back at some of my own wife scenarios and I'll be like, man, I kind of wish my mom would have done this differently. So like I grew I was a C section baby. Mm. numerous rounds of antibiotics and numerous mm. sets of tubes put in my ears yeah and then just learning about stuff and you getting antibiotics for bacterial infections when 90 percent of your infections are viral
1: yeah mm. so
0: it makes you question things
1: it does and again for the listeners who aren't aware there is there is some decent evidence to show that babies born via c-section and then given antibiotics before the age of two or three, the microbiome just is dramatically different versus a child that was born vaginally, not given antibiotics. And there's some lines to show that that then can predispose people to all these sort of allergic, autoimmune, heaven forbid, cardiovascular things going forward. And that's not to scare people. It's just interesting things to look at. So for you to grow up in a family where maybe that was what happened, I imagine having the conversation with your parents now about this philosophical side probably doesn't sit well, not maybe not sit well, but probably doesn't just stick automatically.
0: It's funny because my mom, she, so we're North side Indianapolis and they live in Terre Haute, Indiana, which is like hour and a half away, but she will come to Indianapolis to get some other stuff done. So she's Mm -hmm. actually a practice member. So it's interesting to see her go through the process with everything. And, I mean, you can tell, but it's, I think it's also just your own parents. There's, it's difficult to care for your own parents. Yeah. Because I don't know if they fully understand it. Like we have numerous sets of parents that come to our office of doctors that work there. And it's the same look in their eyes. Like, what's this doing for me? <laughs> what, what am I doing? What more could I be doing? No. Either, like, like, go get like plasma therapy or something like that. <laughs> or shockwave. Like, no, you don't just calm down there.
1: Yeah. And I imagine, wasn't it, didn't we hear in school 50, 60 years ago, most of the people that were in chiropractic school had family members. And then they they did the example of raise your hand if your family member is one. And today's day and age, it was two out of 50.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah. it's yeah, it's a lot of times now it's, it's a whole new territory for the family. And then sometimes you're cast as the black sheep, and then you sort of have to let them experience it from their end
0: yeah it's interesting because my sister she is she's a nurse and Mm. like i may have adjusted her one time she doesn't it's funny she doesn't let me adjust her or her kids she has scoliosis she has pretty significant scoliosis interesting yeah but it says i don't hold it against her just different ways of thought
1: yeah but is there a part of you somewhere deep down inside that really wants you for her to come up to you and say sam help me
0: I mean, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Just because yeah. she's family and I want to take care of her. And I don't want her to do absolutely nothing. Just let her body be that way. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, it's one thing I've learned uh, with just leadership is you can't, you can't uh, put the fire hose in people's faces and just tell them to drink because they can't take it. So you most know. of the time it's, they have to come to the realization and then you have to be there to pick them back up and be like, yep. Hey, let's, let's do this differently.
1: Mm -hmm. And on on the leadership front, you were someone who I thought I was a disciplined person coming into graduate school. And then I met you, saw your habits and realized there's a lot I could learn from this man. (laughs) And so, you know, the the textbook example of lead by example, I feel like you were that. So when did that first come onto the scene? Because like you said, it sounds like the household you grew up in wasn't forcing you into all this discipline
0: yeah so it's funny you bring that up because my uh our lead doctor he's he said the same thing he's like you're someone who leads by example a lot and you're very regimented the only problem with that is is it doesn't it's difficult me like and you know me like i don't really talk a lot so that's where the vocal component gets lost but that's what you're saying where did that come from so Honestly, growing up as a kid, so my parents were very, we we're middle class. My dad was an extremely hard worker. My mom was an extremely hard worker. Um, it would be like, always do your chores, help out around the house, don't keep things around. But at the end of the day, I was still, I think I was still a pretty lazy kid. Like, I love playing my video games and being kind of worthless laying on the couch. It didn't hit me until probably to really go all out in the worth ethic didn't hit me until after near the end of getting my master's degree. Mm. So just for the listeners. So my education is I got a bachelor's four years schools and then I went and did a master's for two years. And then, then I went to chiropractic school and that gut check hit me when it's like, maybe it's like February of 2018, so a few months before I start chiropractic school, I'm in finishing my master's and I do, did a graduate assistantship at my master's program and I was working in campus recreation. I love the people in campus rec, amazing people to work with, but like I did not like work in campus rec because what I would do is put numbers in spreadsheets, coming up with, I'm doing uh, programming, like fitness programs, not like workout programs, but like events. You're doing all this effort, and like fifteen people show up, and I just kind of like sit back and be like, "Wow, I'm getting ready to get a master's degree that's going to put me in a position where I don't really want to be because I'm going to go and I'm I'm going to have done all this education to go do maybe personal training or something, but in reality, I wouldn't have really even needed the education because I mean, there's so many successful personal trainers out there with so much more knowledge than just going through and getting a bunch of degrees and getting some student debt. And so that's when I got, got checked with, all right, yeah, your bachelor's, you got this master's, you're in a pretty decent position where you can either go into PT, physical therapy, or you can go into chiropractic. And so physical therapy, there were like a few other courses that I needed to take, but then chiropractic school was, I had everything already set. So I'm like, all right, here are good things about chiropractic. You have more self autonomy. I'm going to do that. And so that's where I just decided I'm just going to go full, full balls to the wall, guns blazing, just bust my butt as hard as I can. Some things I regret, some things I probably took way too serious than what I needed to like plenty of, uh, anatomy tests and plenty of, a. Uh, pathophysiology tests (laughs) five five uh question quizzes that don't really need that much attention but um definitely uh, one thing i will say for anybody listening especially if you're going through school or anything like yes school is great especially if you're doing extensive programs to develop a work ethic just to like hammer away and get stuff done so you hold yourself accountable but don't neglect the other things outside of school that's kind of regret i have so being social putting yourself out there talking to other students talking to other doctors learning people in your community um because there's more far more things in life than just you showing up every day and taking a test and reading a book Mm. there's so many other things
1: do you remember what i said do you remember one specific moment from grad school that really turned that light bulb on of, oh, maybe I'm doing too much.
0: My uh, In Cairo school? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So trimester six. Um, so trimester six is when it's like nearing the, the end of year two of a three and a half-ish year program. And that's where I was like, that's when, so Mariah and I are living together. And for those of you who aren't listening, Mariah's my fiance. She went through Cairo school with me. Getting married in May, May 20th. Oh,
1: early congrats.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, Anyway, I kind of had a moment where sitting in our living room, it's the middle of Tri-Six, and you're learning all the, um, you're learning all like kind of the primary care stuff, diagnosing, like, is this colon cancer? Is this liver failure? Like all the all that kind of things. It's not really focusing on the, the craft of being a, a chiropractor. And I just sit there and I'm looking at MRI. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I've gotten this far. I feel like I'm not comfortable with my adjusting. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing with this. I'm racking up all these dollars in student debt, student loans. Like, man, what am I doing? And that's where. I just checked like, hey, school is great, but school's got to, the burner for school has got to go down. Like, it's not necessary. I got to learn other skill sets that I'm not getting to school. And so that's where reaching out to doctors, shadowing them, getting their take on everything and their take on the profession. So expanding the perspective instead of just remaining in the narrow focus of class and coursework.
1: And when you were in the depths, pre-trisex of studying so hard, what was driving you? to do so much and to work so hard?
0: It honestly, it wasn't to. <laughs> so I'm probably, I'm probably, I drive. I'm driven more on negative reinforcement than positive reinforcement. So people can be like, Oh man, I'm going to work super hard. So I can go get the beer at the end of the day, or I can go have my cake or whatever. I work hard in the sense of like, you have been lazy for far too long. If you stay lazy, you're not going to do anything with your life. So you better get your you-know-what together and make something of yourself. Like you better push it right now because what else are you going to do? You're going to go back to the same mindset that you used to be and you're going you're gonna to plateau. And that's one mindset that I want to – and that's another reason why I left that one practice is – I got into a place where I wasn't being challenged enough. So I wasn't climbing. Wasn't having that vertical climb of feeling I was growing. I hit this plateau where, yeah, I'm seeing people. Yeah, I'm making a decent salary for, for being an associate. But it was just like, I'm only 28 years old. This I should not have like this safety, comfortable feeling right now. And going to this other office, Oh my gosh, it's been... It's been another uh, another gaslit moment for me in terms of worth ethic.
1: Mm. Fear is a great motivator.
0: It is. It's an incredible motivator. Just don't want to control you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you feel as though now working at this new practice has maybe shifted your mindset? And correct me if I'm wrong on these words, from the scarcity mindset to maybe a little more of abundance?
0: Yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, And I think that also comes from the leadership and the people that you surround yourself with. Um, Like I know, like I'm a very spiritual guy. Like I know in scripture, it says, Hey, if you own, if you can handle riches and abundance, well, then you will be given more riches and abundance in our office. So I work in a max living office. So it is a high volume practice in the Midwest. It's, we just hit our record. We hit. We see. We saw fourteen hundred thirty-seven people last week.
1: Wow! For those listeners, that's a lot.
0: <laughs> that, that is a lot. lot. Yes, that is a lot. But it's the mindset we have. Is it's like anybody can thrive. Everybody can thrive. Like you don't have to have a, You don't have to have this mindset of victim mentality or survival. It's like everybody is destined to thrive. In whatever facet or shape of your life and it's amazing to mm. not only work in that and have your leadership reflect that but then talking that and speaking that and even praying that over people it's, mm. it's awesome
1: i actually i've been going on my own spiritual journey over the last six months started going to church again regularly started being in scripture at least five days a week and for me i've i've found this dramatic shift away from fear mongering which i believe is a currently a huge problem. Not only in healthcare, but even in the natural and alternative space, people are scaring you into avoiding gluten dairy. You need to take all these things because all the food that's even organic is still has trace amounts of glyphosate and it's all killing us anyway. Yeah, There's so much of that that over the last six months, I've just had such this opening myself of wow, if if we live from this idea of abundance and that, like you just said, if 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 you take on more, you will then receive more. I I I don't know where I'd be without that mindset. I imagine for you that mindset probably just feels lighter.
0: Yeah. um, It's something that really hit me. It hit me like two months before I even jumped into this current practice just because I heard the things that Mariah was going through. And I'm like, man, this place sounds awesome. And the church we go to is a very... It's a very thrive mentality, excellence church. It's, it's funny because the pastor who does CrossFit, so he's like this six foot four dude that just jacked and he's wearing like, he's wearing like these awesome suits, but then he's wearing like Aaron Jordans up on stage, super charismatic, great guy. Um, but like he, he will say out loud, like um, just, we are all bad people. We are all bad people, but this is a place to be a place where people can come and they can know how to thrive and they know how to live. And we're done with this whole victim mentality of scarcity, whether it's physical or it's mental, it's helping people understand that there's so much more than what they can do here and they can help. It's just making people better. It's literally it. It it doesn't, I even tell that to the CAs that we have on staff, it's like, don't think that just because I have a degree doesn't mean that you can't go out there and talk to somebody and help somebody with whatever they're going through. It's, yeah. There's so much that each one of us as a known individual, whether we're a doctor of this or that or wherever you work, just speak into people, speak life into people because it's going to make them better so they can do the same thing for somebody else.
1: Mm, that's, man, that's so powerful. Did you ever say... Four years ago, pre Cairo school, did you ever imagine you would say statements along those lines?
0: Yes and no. So like when you're, and that's where the whole discipline regimen and mindset comes in. The one, well, not the one fault, there's probably many faults, but the big thing I would, that I sensed in myself is it made me selfish because mm. it's like, I got to get this done. I got to do this. I got to do it for me to get me in the right place in the right time. And to piggyback on another gut check moment, I got gut checked probably 2021 20, December. So two months into working in my office, but that's when like I had not proposed to Mariah yet. I had been with Mariah almost five years. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, all right, Sam, you told yourself that you wouldn't propose to her during your master's program because that's school. You said you weren't gonna propose to her during Cairo school because it's school, because it's life. So when are you gonna do it? When are you gonna give your poster And that's where I again I had a ref uh, just reflected on it, like, man, I've let school and that school mentality and that disciplined mindset rule me too much. And so I'm like, yeah, I gotta get my you know what together. Mm-hmm. So that December went out, told her parents, like, hey, we're doing this, went and bought the ring. February 26th of last year proposer and getting married this may so Mm. yeah i can do it i can commit yeah i can i can can break the mental boundaries
1: do you feel like you needed to go through all those events from masters to Cairo school to to really feel this newfound sense
0: so yes because it makes me understand and have empathy on people that don't understand it yet because It's. I think there's more power in people experiencing their own experience and witnessing other people do it as opposed to you getting up on a stage or yelling at somebody like, hey, you need to do this and do that because they're never fully going to grasp the other senses when it comes to experiencing it or seeing it play out directly. I think experience is the biggest. It's like you've said on... Like your podcast and stuff, you'll have people that come in, and like I've seen them too in our practice where I did a thyroid panel and everything's normal. I'm already working out five days a week, an hour at a time, tracking my macros, doing all this stuff, and they just told me to work out harder and eat better. <laughs> when in reality, they're just still gaining weight and they can't explain it. And the weight gain's just so rampant. It's your body is the like listen to your body because your body is going to be the biggest thing to tell you, Hey, what's going on. It's mm-hmm. the experience of that.
1: Yeah. There's no circuit that reverberates more efficiently yeah. and faster than what we all have been gifted with. Yeah. Mm. Do you, have you forgiven yourself for thinking that way and for sort of acting that way?
0: <sighs> That's a good question. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's, I mean, because there's the difficulty with that, because that mindset has proven to be effective at getting stuff done. Exactly. But it's also prevented me from seeing other things. So that mindset, what that mindset lacks is humanizing. And I've been told that it's our lead doctor says, he's like, you got to learn to humanize stuff. And I'm like, oh, like literally today, um, because it's funny, I'll just kind of say whatever I want because we have that kind of relationship. Um, it was funny today. He went up to Mariah. And he's like, Hey, are you working on Sam's personality? How's it? How's his personality been? And Mariah's like, I can't do anything for him. Like I can't, that's like moving a boulder. Like, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Dr. Matt, if you're ever going to listen.
1: I imagine she's so thankful for this newfound state you're in.
0: Oh no. I am so, I am so thankful for, because it's helped, this experience has helped so much, even just a relationship basis. I mean, yes, the professionalism and becoming much more better as a doctor is great, but just learning what it's like to work with her, what are dy- dynamics like, how does that translate to coming home? <laughs> how does that translate to talking about work at home on the weekend, things that she goes through, things, things that I go through, it's... And there have been challenges, like anything, but there's been good things with it in regards to the challenges and the good things, like I would not have, I don't regret leaving where I was and doing this.
1: Hmm. And for those other of us out there who either work with our spouse or work with our significant other, speaking for a friend here, have you found anything dramatically helpful as in, you know, when we're at the office? We obviously talk about that when they're at home, maybe we give ourselves 30 minutes and post dinner, no more work talk.
0: Yeah. So we haven't really set a time frame of like, Hey, it's eight o'clock at night. We're done talking work. Um, typically when it's going to bed, stop talking, to, stop talking about it. There's no point to talk about it. And then other than that, there are give and take scenarios. So Ultimately, it's, hey, come home. We can say a few minor things, but if there's something that's really big that needs to be addressed, I'll hold back or she'll hold back and then we'll wait for like a more pleasant moment. So if like we're going out to dinner and that's a fairly enjoyable experience, that's when we'll be like, hey, I noticed this going on this week. What's up? Or we'll reciprocate that. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so still some things to work on, but overall, it's it's been great
1: especially when just so much of your time together if you think about it it's more of it right now is probably the work together than the be together so when that occupies so much of your time it's easy to let it occupy so much of your conversation outside of that arena
0: yeah and it's very interesting because so like mariah so like our personality like shocker to you not no not really but like because you've seen us in school but like mariah and i are very different people like i am kind of the solitude work on your craft kind of dude i can i can be by myself mariah is somebody who's like she grew up as a twin so it's like i need somebody right here right now with me to talk to me and hang out um it was funny because this weekend uh like we did our date nights and everything like that but sunday went and worked out our crossfit gym came back and she's like yeah i'm just gonna watch some movies today i'm like all right cool great I'm gonna go listen to my audio book or whatever. So I'm listening to my audiobook. An hour goes by, comes into comes into the door, and she's like, Can we do something Let's do something together? I'm like, <laughs> it's only been an hour and she's watching the Twilight films now. She's uh she's uh she's watching the extended versions. It's gosh, those films have aged.
1: I know. I can believe it. Mm.
0: <laughs> it was cracking me up. Mike. Um, But it's, it's, uh, and we, uh, you know, the Enneagram tests, like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. You're probably a five, (sighs) aren't you? So I've taken it again. I'm an eight now. Really? So I don't know if I fully believe it. I kind of believe it, but then I kind of don't. Part of me is just like, I've changed my mindset a lot. Um, But yes, I used to be a five, 100% a five, but then I realizing, analyzing every single thing oftentimes will not get stuff done. (laughs) You're just going to be analyzing forever and ever and ever.
1: The phrase paralysis by analysis becomes so evident.
0: Yes. 100%.
1: Yeah. Haley and I, no, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. I was just going to say like, that's another big revelation I've come to. It's like, it doesn't matter what you're telling the person, whether it's super simplistic information or you've spent a lot of time thinking about it just go with your gut and just speak in the person or do what you need to do stop thinking about it and just do it because there are tons of people in this world that are just just do it and the people that are just sitting there thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking are they still haven't even crossed the start line
1: Mm. i'm reading there will be a point to this i'm reading meditations by marcus aurelius i don't know if you're familiar with that
0: I am not, but I like Marcus Aurelius. Oh yeah, stoicism. So it,
1: yeah, and so he's for those of you who aren't aware, he's. I guess you could sort of call him the father of stoicism. So the book Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday probably has a lot of things in there from Marcus Aurelius, but this book is called Meditations. is essentially hit the reflections on his life, and people see him as a philosopher, and the the pushback against philosophy is all they do is talk with no action, and I remember I could pull it out of my phone, but I want to pull it now. There's a quote he says in there that philosophy is meant to alter the way in which we act. So it's it's and it's almost a sense of reflection in order to then act in subsequent events differently. So that's where I almost see a bridge where analysis can still be used very productively and effectively rather than just for sake of pure conversation
0: my biggest thing with analyzing that it was and this was like reflecting on my entire life like even going back from all my coursework even high school and just being a kid just like analyzing like okay what do I need to do more of to do this or like am I doing enough am I not doing enough well maybe I shouldn't do that and it's like no just just be just do you're gonna you'll you'll mess up to learn about it but then just course correct and i've heard so many stories and that's the biggest thing with the five personality that i've read about is like their analysis paralysis i'm like well i got a lot of aspirations of, of things i want to do and i want to do for people and i can't i can't, for me to be effective, i can't just sit here and think about it over and over and over again so whatever avenue i choose i have to get up and i have to move i have to learn as i go
1: mm and i think a lot of times that can be so hard because sometimes it's isn't it fun to analyze oh
0: man yeah, right like it's it's so enjoyable it is. sometimes it is cuz like i'll talk about i'll talk about things to our other doctors team doctors and they'll look at me like what are you even talking about like what are you talking about um <laughs> like I'll, I'll and i'll go from everywhere i'll i'll bring up i'll bring up literature like evidence-based literature i'll bring up principle i'll bring up religion i'll bring up all types of stuff and like sam bring it down go talk to this person who's not even think about those things and go help them out like all right okay i will one so. sentence
1: it yeah and it's 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 then also fun you correct me if you feel differently to bridge the gap between evidence-based in the the philosophical crowd. It's almost as if the world thinks it can only exist in the dichotomy, where when you come in the middle, have you had these profound revelations from a a level of thinking that was more centric?
0: So elaborate that just a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So you have people, like we talked about earlier, who are sheerly evidence-based, and they only think about life through the lens of that. And then people, philosophical, who only think about life through the lens of that, whereas... Again, if there's any ever if there's ever anything in life that lives at the extremes, a good answer is probably found in the middle.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, I think that's where you can't always have that type of mindset because then people will – sometimes you have to be a little bit more on the extreme side of one or the other so people can see where you're going and they'll follow that. But then when it comes back to practicality, that's where you approach them with that, hey – there's this, it's been proven time and time again, do it. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, I think that's, that applies to nearly everything, especially with um, Christianity, uh, Christianity and faith. Because so oftentimes we think we have to, we got to be this set, set of principles forever and ever and ever, not realizing, well, no, we all, in terms of scripture, we all fall short of the glory of God and we're going to make mistakes, but it doesn't mean you, you can't strive to be better And work on it we just have the expectation that you're all human it's Mm.
1: it's
0: like why last night after our crossfit uh class mariah was like hey let's be spontaneous and we went and we had a hamburger (laughs) i really didn't want it and i felt it in my gut all night but i'm like all right cool they got Mm. they got homemade ketchup
1: (laughs) that sounds scrumptious actually
0: it's actually really good
1: (laughs) yeah it's almost it's kind of like a memory dividend Choosing the experience over maybe the strict health practice. So yeah, when you when you do stuff like that, do you is your gut feeling now still to say, oh, I don't want the hamburger?
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. still. Yeah, I am still more um, keep the regiment, keep the task. Like I like meal prepping everything, planning everything out. Um, one thing I'm trying to do is gain weight with working out. And so that, and eating clean with that is extremely difficult. So when, and that's, but that's also the unique thing with relationships, especially having a partner It's filling in where you are a deficit in. So I am able to give Mariah a lot more struck. Like literally Mariah was talking about like, man, I remember when I first met you and, going through all this stuff. You have made me so better at this, 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 and this. Like, I would have never done this ever in my life. I'm like, well, you've done a lot of stuff for me. Like, last, what was it, last Friday, um, we went and saw the second Avatar, which I really did not want to because it was like three hours long. But I saw good reviews. I'm like, all right, we'll go do it. But I mean, like, we went to a movie theater that was like a bistro theater, and I had alcohol for the first time and I don't know how long because I'm like, eh. I'm going to have an old fashioned night just to treat myself. So it's helps me doing that. Cause I know how much of a, I know how sharp I can be. So it helps kind of dull that a bit. So I'm not too, it makes me more relatable. And I think that's a, a big crucial thing. You don't want to seem unrelatable because if you're so unrelatable, if you seem to be so out there with your thought process, then it's going to be difficult for people to, follow you. Cause then they're going to be like, well, I can't replicate what you do.
1: Mm. Makes sense. It does. Yeah. And that's, okay. I feel like this is a therapy session for me. <laughs> Which, <laughs> this is so fun for me. Cause I'm, I feel like I'm interviewing someone who's probably the closest to my habits that I know. So for you to say that is a, it's, it's comforting for me to, to know that. And do you feel has that been a struggle to maybe communicate that with the patients you work with? Cause maybe you feel like you should be this model of health.
0: So that is where, that is something I'm actually working on right now. Um, it's the, it's the empathy component. So it's very difficult. So it's not that I don't have compassion or empathy for people. Oh my gosh. Like if somebody's like, if you have acute low back pain, I've been there, man, I know exactly what that feels like. If you're going through some type of heartache in your life, like, I'll pray for you. I know exactly what you're going through. The thing that really makes it hard for me is that when people have not adopted consistent lifestyle behaviors that are beneficial for their health or just their life in general. So it's like people the people that come in, it's like, man, I don't like I'm in so much pain. Or like, I don't know why I keep having blurry vision. I don't know why I'm doing this, that, this. It's like, well, tell me how your life is like do you have consistent behaviors that promote health? Well, not really. That's like, okay, for me, that's difficult to empathize with because I've had to create that. And so my thing is like, all right, well, how can I shift my demeanor and how I can talk to help motivate this person to at least take a step forward? Um, for example, a recent practice member, She she's one of those people where it's like, I've done everything for weight loss. I've been dealt with weight loss since I was ten years old. She's like probably fifty-five now. Like I've done all the stuff. I've lost weight, but it hasn't stayed off. It's come. It's just come and go. But I can't keep it off. But then she said something like, "You know, when COVID hit and we're all quarantined, I lost like eighteen pounds because I wasn't eating or doing anything." And I'm like, "So you're not?" And what I, what I can't like initially hit people back hard, but in my mind, I'm like, "Well, that doesn't mean that you can't lose weight." Like, you obviously lost 18 pounds during COVID. Like, you can do it. The question is, why can you not keep it off? And then she's made comments to me. It's like, well, I eat a lot of car. I like my carbohydrates. I'm like, okay. So there is something there. And my biggest thing with, with helping people is getting people to realize, like, the underlying problem is staring at you more in the face than you actually realize. In fact, it's probably... It's you looking at it every day when you see yourself in the mirror. It's like I said in a post, if lifestyle is the cause of the root problems and often lifestyle is going to be the thing that's going to rectify it and correct it.
1: Do you get a lot of pushback from people when you say that?
0: I've had to. um, (laughs) um, It's funny. So there was one uh, person I adjusted where they came in. It's like, Ah, oh, my low back, my low back, got this bulge, this bulge. It's like, hey, it's remember, it's not about the pain in your low back. We have to build your body towards being better, being healthier. So right now, yes, I know you feel the symptoms, but every adjustment is helping your body heal itself. And I kind of confronted her on her mindset. Go to the next week, Mariah adjusts her. And then that evening, Mariah tells me like, yeah, so-and-so, you adjust her last week? Yeah. And then Mariah's like, Yeah, she really felt convicted, felt like you were putting her on the spot last week. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, no. Humble
1: (laughs) pies served cold. Yeah, (laughs) it's
0: it's uh, the tone of delivery I got to work on for me. It's there's uh, the jabbing can't jab because then people are just going to recoil. It's opening the door and showing people. Mm. And sometimes people they'll sprint because you show them the way. And that's awesome. Some people it's take a step one foot in front of the other. You only can illuminate. You can only illuminate the path in front of them like two feet. Cause if they see the rest of it, they're gonna be like, Oh, I can't do it too much.
1: And then it makes it so worth it when you see them light up and you know that they're seeing the path. (laughs) Yeah, It makes it worth all that struggle all the time you were trying to just poke lightly. And one day they come in and they're like, you know what? I'm ready.
0: No, it's, yeah, it's cool to see that when that light bulb finally chimes, returns on. I guess mm-hmm. the light bulb doesn't make a sound.
1: It might, I don't know. I'm, I don't, was Edison hoping that sound wouldn't happen when he did his thing like 100 years ago or so? Who knows? I have no idea. Yeah. I want to I wanna return a little bit, shift gears, to back to your, your habits. And now that you're at this sort of newfound mental space, does it make you think differently about the habits and routine in the sense that do you have a different level of enjoyment around it now? Maybe more or less.
0: Yeah. Cause it's, it's changing the mindset of I got to do all these habits so I can fulfill this coursework that's kind of mandated on me, but now it's, we well, are out in the real world and you're able to, be a professional and work on your career and speak life into people there's more to it where okay i can work on my craft but i can work on it in a way that's not it's not a survival-based mentality it's a it's a thrive mindset and it's the mindset of hey well honestly in a spiritual sense like hey i feel like god has put me in a position to lead people to show them him and witness to them and show them what it's like to live the best life they can find possible what do i gotta do to fulfill that for him so i can serve people how do how can i become my best self and so that's the underlying driver of of everything now and so it's what makes me go out do my workouts the way I do it's what makes me listen to books to listen to it makes me what to read and and to have the relationships I have work on the relationships take myself out of my own mental space of thinking that oh I know exactly what I'm doing realizing like no you're you're kind of off a little bit but we're going to we're going to work on it um there's a quote I just oh the book um the subtle art of not giving a an f mm mm-hmm. Um, I already thought I was pretty well versed in that subject, but uh, I thought I'd listen to it and get a second opinion by it. Uh, But I think Michael Jordan gave a quote in there that they write off like, uh, he says, I'm always wrong over and over again, but that's why my life improves. And so it's like, I think in my mindset, it's, it's, it was, I got to do all this stuff to get to this level. This level of absolute perfection or ultimate being, and I'm going to be good. But in reality, that's not, that's not applicable. And even if it was, then you're you're going to hit a plateau and be that way for the rest of your life. You're not going to grow anymore. So instead of thinking, I got to figure out how to throw the best punch at life, and I'm going to be the master of my life. It's every day waking up. Hey, what do I got to do to recognize what I'm doing is not that great? but chip away at it so i can become better over and over because i can look back on my life at past sam and be like wow you were a huge idiot you were the dumbest kid ever like so stupid wasted so much time but then i know in my future my future sam's gonna look back at my current sam right now and be like you're the stupidest idiot you're gonna waste so much time all that so instead of trying to reach this perfect key state it's appreciating the journey of growth and just chipping away at what you need to get better at.
1: I think for those of us out there that are incredibly stoic, routine driven, some would even say masochistic, I think go back and listen to that last four minutes that Sam just talked about on repeat. Because I, there's, there's so much gold to be found and there's so much beauty that was in that statement that if we just plugged it in our ear every morning, as I probably should, I think it'll go a long way. And so Sam, I think it's a beautiful place to start to wrap it up a little bit. If people want to learn more about you and where they can discover you in this newfound mindset, you've already given us some hints, but tell them specifically socials, practice, everything like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I'm located in Northside, Indianapolis at Premier Family Chiropractic in Carmel, Indiana. Um, Yeah any of you are ever in the area not even you have to want to become a practice member you want to just visit and see what i'm talking about Um, just life-changing just thrive mentality just slowly walk in the doors and just you'll see it Um, if you're interested in following me my instagram is called elevate the standard Um, i chose elevate the standard because that's what i think our lives should be it's i think we it's easy for us to get into the mindset of just kind of Normalcy and just I'm going to be this certain way for the rest of my life. And no, I think you're all called with purpose and for purpose. You're all built with intention by a higher power. And through health, mindset, relationships, and faith, that's what I try to lead people on, just to elevate the standard of their life. So you can check me on Instagram there. Um, use uh, Facebook, just my name, Sam Weatherell. But other than that, no, I appreciate all of you listening. I appreciate this man here, Nick Belden. This guy is incredibly awesome, incredibly talented, so gifted at his craft and so knowledgeable of what he does. He's, he's incredible.
1: I appreciate the words, my man. It's been fun. And actually there's one last thing. So obviously this is gut check radio and we've explored so many of your gut check moments, but the last question i like to leave people on is what is a most recent gut check moment? doesn't even have to be a massive one, just could be even the most trivial thing you think of and walk us through what it was like in your thinking as you're going through it.
0: Um, yeah, so just, this is a pretty simple one. So going through chiropractic school, obviously you don't really have a lot of money going through chiropractic school. So people try to get jobs. And even if you get a job, you don't really have money to get a job. Uh, and so I wanted to CrossFit the whole time I'd done CrossFit in undergrad. I couldn't do it. Um, so I'm putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And so the summer of my last summer in chiropractic school I just kind of sat there like, man, when am I ever going to be able to do CrossFit? When am I ever going to get back into that routine of doing? And then it just hit me. It's like, just do it now. Just pay the money now and you're going to find you're going to live. And so I made myself do it and then graduated and realized, oh, I could afford it. I could afford to go out and do it. So if you're someone that's like teetering on some type of decision, stop analyzing everything. Just go out and live your life. There's something you want to do. Go out and do it. Don't hesitate, just do.
1: Nike was right from day one. Yeah. (laughs) Sam, thanks for taking the time, my man, and everybody for tuning in. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this beautiful conversation between Sam and I.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate you.
1: Thank you all for trusting me to be a part of your day. If you enjoyed the show and found it informative or entertaining, we invite you to share the love by leaving a five-star rating or review on your podcast platform of choice or by sharing this episode with your family and friends. And until next time, trust in your gut.